This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. And welcome back to the Nerds to another episode of the Art House Roadshow. Uh, this is Hank, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Kyle Myers. Uh, this is our first uh, podcast post Oscars, and we'll be wrapping up our conversation here on uh, the the Rocky series with Creed three, uh, which uh, there may be more Creeds, but this will be at least the end of our series for now. So, Kyle, how mm-hmm. you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, it's, it's snowing outside. That seems a little weird after having a very warm February, but yeah. We're- we're going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, I think in the Northeast, it's just like, I mean, uh, I guess in Ohio, it's yeah. just what are seasons, you know? Yep. <laughs> and that kind of thing. 100. So, uh, but anyway, and, and not in the way of the cool way of like uh, California where it's like 60 all year round. So. Right. Uh, not that I, I mind. I don't mind the snow. I like the snow. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, so we're going to start off today just kind of with our normal um, opening segment. What are you watching? And then we'll kind of add some Oscar reflections in that as well. But, you know, Kyle, what are you watching? Yeah, so I've been still trying to catch up on a few things uh, regarding in the, you know, 2022 movies that I haven't seen and that uh, that I wanted to see uh, or were recommended at some point um, building up to the, the Oscars, the end of award season, obviously. Uh, which is the true kind of end of 2022, it always right, seems. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, my the favorite one I watched uh, is called 13 Lives. Mm-hmm. And it's based on, <clears throat> also there's a documentary about it, but 2018 uh, cave rescue mm-hmm. of 13, well, 12 uh, soccer players, uh, you know, around uh, 13, 14, 15 years old, and their coach who gets stuck in a cave in Thailand after practice um, not knowing there's a rain coming and it's pre monsoon season, but it's a monsoon like rain and, and they, uh, get trapped in the cave mm. anyways. So fascinating story, you know, number one, um, two, you know, Ron Howard does his pretty typical, just like nuts and bolts, you know, uh, technical, simple, non-pretentious kind of way. Like how can we tell the story? Um, and be true, but he, um, which is, you know, typical of him in so many ways, um, but then brought in, so this is kind of, uh, layered in with the story itself that, um, as the story got national attention, international attention, uh, people from all over the world were coming to try to help and assist mm-hmm. and figure out how to get these kids, find, first of all, find the kids in the cave that's flooded and then second, uh, rescue them. Uh, which was a weeks long um, operation. Anyways, uh, Ron Howard used a DP, director of photography, cinematographer um, from Thailand, who's uh, fairly well known uh, for working with a film, a very popular filmmaker from Thailand himself. And um, Luca, what's his name? He made Call Me By Your Name. Uh, this cinematographer shot that film. Anyways, a uh, really great cinematographer, uh, very contemplative kind of cinematographer. So captures some great images. Uh, especially at the beginning and end of the film, just mm-hmm. scaling the mountains and the, the area and Thailand. Um, and then also technically in the water, uh, in the cave, mm-hmm. uh, as they bring in first the Thailand Navy seal- SEALs to go in, who can only get so far. 
and then they bring in uh, international divers mm-hmm. uh, who have you know some uh, experience with rescues and whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, it's a lot to explain. Um, but the and I say all that because the DP side of it uh, really brought um, you know uh, real expressiveness in terms of water and landscape and scale and people and faces and the way they incorporated nature and Buddhism uh, into the narrative um, and science, obviously, um, in terms of how we're going to do this and military. Uh, It's just an interesting kind of gathering, you know, of parts that normally we keep separate. Uh, all coming together to work to rescue these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty harrowing. It's pretty, you know, even if you know the outcome, you know, uh, experiencing it is still like there's a lot of uh, tension and, and suspense there, which is obviously difficult to, to pull off. Anyways, got that got zero nominations uh, for the Oscars. Uh, Ron Howard's obviously had his share uh, right. But I thought for the cinematography in particular, a real loss of not only not nominated, but potentially uh, on the technical side uh, could have could have taken some awards. Yeah. What yeah. was I think the um, what, what film won the directors uh, won, won best cinematography this year? Oh, Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yeah. Have which you seen won that one? several. I have not. Well, uh, I've seen the original, which is from like 1931, but I've not seen this one. Yeah, I've heard that it's best to read the book first before um, diving into the film, but I've heard I've heard good things. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, well, the book is outstanding. Uh, the, f- the first film is also outstanding mm-hmm. um, and is, is effective um, in, a, in a number of ways. And I'm sure this one, although I'm, I would potentially be annoyed uh, with how much digital CGI might be happening in the, in the film. Right. Um, and I haven't watched it. That may not be true of the film. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's a, a primarily a German production. Oh, wow. Um, and so certainly interesting and did win, you know, a number of uh, technical awards Yeah. Uh, for the night. That's fine. Yeah. And I think with Oscars, like this is the first year where um, there was, a, there's quite a few, I would say m- the majority that I haven't seen in terms of, um, you know best picture the nominations i mean yeah right um me too uh so anyway that that was yeah. it's, it's kind of a new thing for me i mean i was uh i was rooting for people certain films and and certain actors like i i mentioned online that i was really happy for brendan fraser winning his first oscar i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. um, just because of those of you who followed his story know that this is kind of a a really great um like return to cinema and also just kind of an affirmation of him and happy to see that and you know i mean there's just i mean there's so many actors like i mean even jamie lee curtis you know who i've really liked for a long time and i i thought she's been like hilarious in some of the uh, movies that she's been in i always remember her from true lies and being that kind of hilarious counterpart to arnold schwarzenegger and kind of like the 90s like action flick kind of thing but also like in films that are just dumb like christmas with the cranks you know um, always really enjoyed her as an actor, so it was kind of cool to see her get a get an award. You know, just happy for them and things like that. And it's, yeah, it's no got to be cool to win an Oscar. Like I caught myself thinking about that last night during the Oscars. I was like, it's got to be cool just to like go to the Oscars and like win that award. Mm-hmm. You know, like anyway. Yeah, um, for sure. But I, I have a lot of catching up to do. I need to do. I need to watch Banshees of Inisherin because it's like I've never. I, I haven't watched that, but I've only heard people rave about it. And I'm, you know, I'm. I think I'm just more skeptical. I think if a movie gets nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. I'm less likely to watch it now these days. I don't know if I'm just getting old and cranky, yeah. but I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm old and cranky. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, nothing compared to their 13 lives. I, it kind of reminds me of the way you describe it of the Martian, you know, with Matt Damon, mm-hmm. which is also based on, yeah. on a novel. It doesn't have the religious component. Like he's talked about with Buddhism being brought in, but I always loved that film of the kind of the way in which everyone comes like the marshalling of, like you mentioned all these forces across like international lines. Like there's uh even though in like the space programs between the United States and China, there's a lot of secrecy because you don't, we don't want to like, you know, share or whatever yep. that, that was broken down in, in an effort to save this one guy who was stranded on the Martian surface, you know, and things like that. And so, um, anyway, I think that, um, it reminds me of that, but you know, the film, uh, there's been a couple films I've watched recently, uh, which are nowhere near that level of, of probably authentic and powerful. Um, one of which is 65, which is a Adam driver film, um, kind of, uh, about a guy who leads a mission to, um, deep space exploration. And he's actually from an alien world and crash lands on earth 65 million years ago. It's a, it's a basic kind of dinosaur film, but it's really more about one guy's kind of trying to heal from the loss of his daughter. Basically, she's sick, and um, he leaves uh, the planet um, to try and uh, raise enough money to um, like get her to the treatment she needs, but you find out very early on that she's uh, she didn't make it. And so he's it's about his kind of journey of helping this one girl on the planet get home mm-hmm. as a kind of like a... Like I feel like a kind of a healing moment for him and his his family, which is fascinating because you also see that in a TV show Last of Us, which has just had its series finale, yeah, a season right. finale last night. Yeah, um, and it's ironic the daughter that each main character loses is this played by the same actress. Oh, weird. <laughs> Um, I don't, I, anyway, so maybe that actress is being typecast as the daughter who gets lost yeah, yeah, by yeah. the father who then finds healing in another. Uh, young woman yeah, that he not, helps. She's not saves. interested in sequels. That's right. That's right. She is. Uh, she is the J.J. Uh, Abrams of actresses. Right. So anyway, um, but I thought it was pretty good, and I also saw Jesus Revolution, which is a fascinating movie for me. Have you seen that yet? I've not yet seen it. Nope. Yeah, I know you. Uh, this is that. It's sure. well before your time. You know, like in terms of probably what you remember about these things. But uh, the the Jesus movement of the 70s mm-hmm. is an interesting historical time in church history. And me being a church history nut, I, I love that. And it's interesting to see what they chose not to cover mm-hmm. from the from the period um, and what sure. they chose to cover. Like they focus a lot on Greg Laurie, who is like really big in the harvest movement right now mm-hmm. um, and launched like the harvest um, conference. And he has harvest church out in California. Um, they obviously focus on Chuck Smith, who's the uh, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, which is like the world's largest denomination, um, like thousands of churches that are huge. And then Lonnie Frisbee, um, mm-hmm. who's actually mm-hmm. played by the same actor who plays Jesus in The Chosen, mm-hmm. if that's a show you've watched. Um, and it's it's fascinating to see. Like it was actually a charismatic movement with like you know speaking in tongues and yeah. things like that. They didn't really show that or illustrate that. One thing I do appreciate about the movie is that they did show kind of the raw difficult relationship that Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith had. Sure. Especially once the movie, uh, once the relationship went on, the thing that's a little weird is Lonnie was 26 during these times. And the guy who played him is is like in his Mm forties. And so it's, it's, it definitely the age difference shows there and what he's, you know, and it is what it is, but I think it's fascinating because it's a, it's an interesting historical time. This obviously births the um, secret sensitive movement and Christianity and the mega church movement also, um, but it's also a shot in the arm to a lot of American um, evangelicalism during that period of time. And so 
I liked it yeah. for a lot of historical reasons, and I really like that actor um, who plays Jesus in the uh, mm-hmm. in the shows, and I think he's he's doing some really cool stuff right now. So yeah, no, right on, man, right yeah. on. Yeah, and same thing with Oscars. It's just been you know, I, I, it's a close to 2022, but I'm still way behind. Yeah, well, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I will say, uh, you know, Banshees. So first of all, Colin Farrell's in 13 Lives mm-hmm. uh, and playing a very restrained role. He's one of the divers who comes in, but he's also just like the the character he's playing based on is just a uh just a tech guy yeah um it's a very restrained personality and so funny performance uh and but kind of revelatory in his ability to 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 play that kind of character um and in banshee's kind of like a a quote-unquote dimwit yeah um be the most appropriate way to describe his character um Who's obviously, if you've seen McDonough's movies, he, he has kind of a Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. Fairly Brothers kind of thing uh, to to kind of toy around with, um, you know, inappropriate material or non-PC <laughs> kind of things right, yeah. uh, regarding developmental delays or whatever in particular. And so um, he's the, one of those, two of those characters in that movie, but uh, Colin Farrell is definitely the best part about it. Um, and I liked it better than I liked most of McDonough's movies, but my son and I had different opinions about the ending of that. Okay. Uh, but it also is an interesting parallel to, uh, purposeful parallel to, uh, the Troubles, uh, right, the Irish yeah. Civil War. Uh, so it's interesting stuff to read on that and part of that world. And then obviously, uh, Colin Farrell was also an after Yang last year. So three great performances, oh, yeah. all mostly, you know, more restrained and, yeah. uh, and interesting work for him. I really appreciated it. Yeah, I know he, uh, I don't think gets enough credit for his 2022. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And I would add to that. I mean, it's not obviously going to win him any Oscars, but oh, the, his, his Batman. Yeah. Well, yeah. but like, I felt like his performance as the penguin was like outstanding. Yeah. Like that movie was very much carried. Exactly, that movie I feel like was carried by the um, the villain performances Mm -hmm. and his particularly. Yeah, for sure. Every scene that he was in, like he stole the show. That's right. Like he had so much character, and a part of it obviously was like the makeup. Yeah. But just just outstanding, and so I I feel like he had a great twenty twenty two, and I I I don't see him getting the credit. I feel like he probably should deserve for these things. Obviously, I think this was probably Brendan Fraser's year. Um, but you know, I, you know, Colin Farrell, I think did a great job. Everyone's talking about Jonathan majors right now, kind of having a breakout Mm -hmm. year or so. And I, I don't deny that. I, I've really enjoyed his performances and devotion Mm -hmm. and, and, um, uh, Ant-Man. And then, you know, I, I feel like he, um, he played a very believable character in Creed Mm three, but, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to pass by Colin Farrell and not recognize that he's also having a really really good year no doubt uh, in terms of his films and i hope that that continues for him into 2023 yeah well let's transition into creed 3 i know that before we started talking you said that you kind of had mixed feelings about it i'd love to hear what your thoughts are on it just unfiltered and kind of like what are you thinking about this film? Yeah, well, give me a little bit of your thoughts first. In oh, terms sure. Of just your initial sure. reaction. Well, I mean, in one of those, like, it's one of those things that, like, um, I did this before. For example, when I was younger, when Rocky Balboa came out, I kind of binged through everything. And yeah. I, did, I did the same thing before watching this film. Right. Um, and you kind of get caught up in the, the feels, for lack of a better yeah, term, for sure, of of everything. But like, you know sometimes like when you watch all these really great movies back to back to back, if there is not a movie that kind of like meets that level of expectations, like for me, like it's hard to beat Creed two in terms of the story that it tells not only with Rocky, but also with Creed in his life with his dad. 
Um, so like it, in some sense, like I was, I was missing that a little bit. Um, but for me, like the, I feel like the, the story, the, the final fight, I'll say this, I loved because I think they more like more than most fights in a Rocky movie really draw out the themes that are kind of more implicit. And I think there's a space and probably it's, it's, and for some people, there's a strong preference for the kind of implicit um, and kind of like nuanced or just subtle character of like what the fight does and the story it tells. This was much more explicit. Like mm-hmm. you, know, you had the, 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 the prison like um, bars and like in the cage at one point, and even like the, the kind of the pillow that represented the corner of their mm-hmm. bedroom and foster care and group home that is. Yeah. Um, then you had that strong baptism scene right there before the end that I thought was really interesting that really told the story of yeah, like, tell me more about that. The, so like there's the right, like as they're sitting in the corner before the final round, you've got the, the both of them kind of have like the sponge wrung out over their heads and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Duke, I think is his name, yeah. um, you know, tells Creed to, um, you know, forget behind what's behind and walk into what is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind let of go thing. of the fear and guilt. Yeah, let go of the fear and guilt. And in some sense, like baptism in this, I mean, this is the season of Lent, is, is an attempt to try and maybe not forget what goes behind, but to try and like find ways to let go of our fear and guilt and, and the things that we have done. And, you know, this whole movie is a story of kind of Adonis trying to reckon with the fact that he ran and and led to and i mean obviously like he he avoided the consequences that his friend um paid kind of on his behalf and he's trying to let go of that guilt and here in this moment he's baptism in that sense is trying to uh uh, move him beyond that uh fear and guilt into something new and i think that like you know the relationship that they kind of gesture towards at the end kind of leads in that direction yeah but I, I just love that picture of, of this kind of like, this is the moment where we can start to heal. Um, and it's this final moment where they kind of like hash out their issues, obviously with fists instead of talking, which is, you know, obviously very Rocky-esque. But um, in a sense, like that struggle to let go of what has, mm-hmm. has haunted us in our past. And that's also where you see kind of some of this imagery like that they're both still kind of in prison in a certain sense. I, I felt like it was really powerful and them kind of walking out of that um, was really interesting, you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, that's anyway, so that, that baptism yeah. scene I feel like is good. And overall I, you know, this is a film that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like a re coming of age film for lack of a better term. There's a whole genre of these films, like yeah. uh, the way, way back, uh, you know, um, it's kind of a funny story and uh, the laggies are these kind of stories of like coming of age in some yeah, sense. Like, of passage, Don, yeah. like, I feel like this is, this is very much like a childhood film, like in sense of like the choices we make, like can lead us in two different directions. I mean, in some sense, what Adonis is seeing um, like in, in uh, um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? You're uh, talking about Jonathan Dame? Majors. Yeah. Court. Dame. Dame. Dame and- yeah. And what he sees in Dame is what he could have been. Yeah, um, very much so. And if it wasn't for the grace of, uh, you know, Apollo Creed's wife uh, taking him into her home, kind of giving him good things, if it wasn't for the grace of people like Rocky, and he says this in the trailer. I don't know if he said this actually yeah, in the it's movie. Un- it's different, yeah. But he talks about like his dad, Rocky, all these people um, who have led him to where he is. Without the grace of these people, he would not have ended up being like this famous boxer. You know, and the same same for Rocky. Like you know, yeah. rewatching Rocky, the thing I 
I've, I've thought about this time is like, you know, Rocky is that same fighter who fought Spider Rico and barely beat him. Yeah. And, you know, scenes later, he's fighting the world heavyweight champion and standing toe to toe with him. And that's probably because of Mick having all of this knowledge and like giving him all the sure. skills that he yeah, needs yeah, to. Yeah. He's got the talent, but he needs the guidance. He needs the tradition. He needs that that um, yeah. focused habit. You know, if, if a Creed, if Adonis didn't have that, um, he would have been right where um, Dame was. And so anyway, that's kind of one of the, th- those are some of the things I really liked about it. Um, yeah. It, and let, let me, yeah, hop, hop in with that. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, talking about Rocky and Mickey in particular, the first thing I noticed, cause in, and, and to back up a little bit more, like I do like what you're saying about baptism and I'll get into that whole fight scene and, and that whole area, obviously, um, but the first thing that feels like is lacking in Creed three, um, isn't just Rocky himself, uh, although that's obvious, um, but more of the, the inability to fill the gap for what the Rocky or Mickey character really brought to, you know, all, all of the movies, yeah. uh, or even Pauly in some ways in Rocky Balboa. Right. Um, and, <clears throat> but that, you know, the Rockies. Uh, uh, challenging uh, Donnie in the first two creeds and training him or not training him and like all this tension, you know. And so uh, I think they try to replace that in a couple of ways. One is obviously with Duke, um, who does it at a few times provide some uh, honesty, like when asked, like I disagree with what, you know, Donnie is doing or saying, but he never feels like a threat to Donnie. Um, like you're getting in my way, get out of my way, or where are you? I need you. Like there's never any of that happening with Duke. Um, he's too much of a sideline, I think, uh, to to ramp up some some tension. Um, <clears throat> and uh, his mom obviously is, you know, the Donnie's mom, uh, Marianne. You know, has a spoiler. Uh, she dies in the movie, so kind of brings that um into it's part of the part of the series all the way back to to three at least you know um somebody's dying or some form of grief is happening right um and a friend of mine didn't really like that scene found it too kind of sentimental but there's parts of it i definitely did like uh something she introduces and and again i'll come back to that as well but uh but again she's she's kind of you know she's the sick character in the movie uh, like Rocky in one and, and creating some tension there, but that doesn't really go all, you know, far enough um, either. And then Bianca creates, you know, she's creating some tension just regarding their relationship and, and him, you know, opening up. And this is part of your going back to like childhood right. experience and shutting down. You need to talk to me and whatever, but, <clears throat> um, but also limited. And so it's kind of like trying to replace the, the Rocky Mickey character with all these things. And they all seem like not enough, uh, in any one and also not necessarily together. So when, uh, you get to the end, there's something for me, there was something even in, in second watch, cause I do love the creativity, uh, and that what I think is the cinematic expressiveness of the, the fight when it turns into the darkness um, and Donnie's got white gloves and white shorts, and Dame's got black shorts and black gloves. Um, and Dame, throughout the whole thing, is you know, is a shadow. Like all the mirrors that you see, the the walls, yeah. you know, splitting them. 
Um, but Dame is very much, you know, a shadow coming, you know, out or the past coming out of the shadow, but uh, certainly a shadow character that, that Donnie's, you know, wrestling with. Yeah. No, I, when I saw that scene of uh, during the Felix fight where uh, Michael B. Jordan walks or, you know, Adonis walks out and they kind of have that moment where they look at each other through the wall. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this, yeah. is, this is a scene for Kyle. That's right. Because I was like, that that is everything that he talks about in terms of the Rocky films, like that mirror, that That's look right. of fighting each yep. other. Yep. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. For some reason, Dame reminds me a lot of a more developed Clubber Lang. Because mm. Clubber Lang was always the mirror image of Rocky, right? In a certain sense, like he had that edge that Rocky had lost. He came from struggle um, and lack of advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Clubber Lang has a lot of, uh, has a harder edge, especially at the beginning of the film uh, that uh, Dame doesn't. But it felt like that was kind of a similar thing. They also have similar arcs. They win the title and immediately lose it. Um, you know, obviously he beats Felix for the title, but you know, not, not Creed. And so then Creed has to go and win it back and things like that. And so, um, in some sense, it feels like there's some similar characters there. In some sense, I felt like Clubber Lang did not have the ability, did not get the chance to develop into a full character like Creed did, for example. Yeah. Um, or even now has Ivan Drago has with the advantage of Creed two, kind of, um, bringing his character full circle, um, Clubber Lang really didn't have that ability. Sure. But do you do you have any thoughts on that connection? That was something that I was kind of seeing when I was watching the film. Well, uh, no. So I think that's interesting and and rings true in some ways. Um, and but di- digging deeper into the Dame character, uh, the Damien character one, especially in the second watch, like I really found because I, I I felt you know like I was trying to figure out this character the first time, and anticipating like he's just going to be. You know, seeing the trailers and whatever, like he's just going to be manipulative, and he's going to be—it's going to be ugly and <clears throat> not not a trustworthy character. Uh, but once seeing it once and going back into it, like he—it feels like to me, like he's a very genuine character. Right. Um, you know, he doesn't want a handout. He does want you know a chance, and he does want to like make this connection, um, and he does want Donnie in his corner. Right, he doesn't want money from Donnie. He wants Donnie in his corners, sport right. give him this opportunity, um, and and does play on the you kind of owe me this kind of thing, uh, but doesn't really get ugly about that until you know like Donnie's not not going to give him what he wants, mm-hmm. um, or he's going and then Dame has to create it for himself by breaking the arm of, yeah. of Victor, right? Um, and so then he they do kind of create a villain out of him. Uh, first of all, that's maybe my fav- one of my favorite fight scenes in all of the Rocky series uh, is between him and what's the what's the first fighter's name? I think it's Felix, right? Yeah, Felix. Um, where the champion that then loses to that's right. Dame, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Dame, you know, has this way of like focusing on you know different body parts, and it's just very like strategic. Um, and he's just this really kind of more you know chess playing um, fighter. Um, who you know knows knows how to win the fight, right? Uh, whether that's from boxing or prison or whatever, but mm. he's bringing a certain skill level, you know, into it that Felix is obviously not prepared for, nor right. the nor the you know uh, Creed team behind him. Um, and it looks kind of even, you know, everybody's questioning like, is what he's is what he's doing legal? And obviously, he elbows him, and he is taking advantage of those things. And so you create this, yeah, Mister T kind of villain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and which I think 
uh, was working, continued to work, especially as it creates obviously conflict between directly between the two of them. Um, and, uh, and I think I was with that until you get to the fight. <clears throat> and one of the things that never happens that happens, um, you know, on, in almost all the Rocky movies, three and forward, um, is like something you're like getting beat up. Uh, so Donnie never really gets beat up, uh, in the movie or in the final fight. Um, he never really seems to have like a, you know, a typical like trial. It's even like, um, even in the training sequence, uh, it's difficult to, you know, like get him in, involved in a way like he's almost like depressed or something. Um, which again, isn't like atypical, uh, Rocky does that in a few movies also, but anyways, uh, by the time you get to the fight. So one thing that's introduced that I was, you know, like reading into when Marianne is dying, uh, she tells Donnie that he, he can find another way. Right. Uh, so that to me introduces, well, you know, anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And this could be a more like, uh, Drago and, uh, Victor kind of thing. Uh, reconciliation at the end of part two, um, you know, maybe you'll handle this not fighting, you know, maybe there'll be something, you know, different. Um, and so obviously that didn't play out one. And then two felt like the fight itself, like was kind of flat. I love the cinematic, uh, aspect of it. Um, but it never really felt like <clears throat> there was any threat that they didn't really go back into, uh, Dame's fighting style, and again, like kind of picking the the the, the opponent apart. Yeah. Um, and the fight ultimately ended up feeling pretty bland, and not really challenging to to Donnie, who hasn't fought in three years. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I felt really disappointed by that. And then, so this is the this is a whole other aspect. Right. Yeah. Uh, that I'm going to get into here, but <clears throat> so the writers and producers are obviously Kugler and Kugler's brother. Uh, is a writer, and so this film has a lot of the first Black Panther in it, mm. um, almost oh, anticipating yeah. um, that, like, we had this idea for Creed, but now we're going to put it in Black Panther, but how can we work it back into Creed or something like that? Um, or this worked for Black Panther, let's try this for Creed. So however it happened, but it happened. And so you have kind of the intro, like Killmonger intro in Black Panther, similar with Creed mm -hmm. three. Um, and then, so I don't know if you've ever written or read, so I have a whole thing written up about Black Panther and my frustration with a similar thing to the, you can find another way, which was introduced in Captain America, uh, civil war mm. where the Black Panther characters introduced T'Challa, right. And, uh, who, uh, is determined to find a peaceful way to, you know, resolve a certain conflict, especially with the uh, Zemo. Is that the guy's yep, name? That's his name. Uh, who uh, tries to kill himself, but T'Challa doesn't let him kill himself, and, and he just provides this like very non-violent, very different presence, right, you don't find in Marvel movies. Right. Um, which I was super excited about. Um, but then in Black Panther, the movie, they almost immediately, like, um, he, he's a violent character in the introduction of that movie. Right, yeah. Um, and anyways, but the endings... Um, of both movies are similar. So T'Challa and Killmonger fight. Um, and then Killmonger decides, you know, even upon being offered healing and potential reconciliation, chooses to commit suicide. And, and for some reason, uh, T'Challa prevents v Zemo from committing suicide, but lets Killmonger, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Um, in that scene. So I have a lot of weird feelings about that. But then <laughs> the same 
I think the ending of the final scene with with uh, Dame and Donnie is similar, uh, a little bit better, um, and it's still a weird way of you know they're both kind of giving each other grace. And I wanted more direct like forgiveness kind of language, but to, for them it's like it ain't on you, like it's okay, we can like we can move on. Um, but again, very frustrated that one we've come back and we've humanized mm-hmm. uh, Dame, taking him down from the villain. Uh, now he's this, you know, human again, uh, which is fine. But I really struggled with what basically he was set up, obviously, to be the object of guilt, the object of the, the shadow, all those things. Mm-hmm. And so my expectation was, you know, this is a moment, you know, we're sharing and we're confessing and we're forgiving. Why are we not walking out together? Or why are we? Why is there not the next scene like Victor? Um, and Ivan, you know, walking together at the end of Creed Two, symbolizing like we've come, you know, from, um, you know, opposition into this thing together, like we're on each other's team. Right. And so I just felt like that was a big miss for all the big, the flatness of the fight and the non-controversy of the fight, the non-injury of the fight, um, the non-risk um, that was really never presented. Um, obviously, it was about. Um, contending with this person and again something another way happening uh, but felt like even that felt flat and I didn't I was felt unsatisfied with like mm-hmm. Dame's not now walking alongside Donnie and growing you know in his own way he's kind of been like well I'm just going to leave that behind it's literally right. what happens um, and then he's just subtext you know he's not he's not even a human being anymore it feels like to me anyways no yeah that's there's a lot obviously going on here with me um, in it, but but yeah, that was I was um, struggling with that. Yeah, no, that makes sense because I think that one of the reasons, I mean, one reason why a lot of people struggled with the first Black Panther movies is that Killmonger is at least expressing a a genuine hurt experienced yeah. by the uh, uh, black community in the United States, and in some sense, what happens is instead of trying to find the middle way which in the the only way that the movie gestures to this is the the scene where um t'challa is with the ancestors and he's blaming them for how the world has turned out you know right um and things like that and so but it's not enough because in the end all you do is you just created like you just turn killmonger into a villain who needs to be killed right and that kind of thing and the same thing you see that that's a fascinating parallel i didn't make that connection but you're right that's like overlaid in a certain sense on top of um mm-hmm. this film and you've got the added point of like you know michael b jordan plays both killmonger and adonis Creed. yeah yep so that's um that's a very clever uh, thing to look at and i think that's uh that's also one of the reasons why i disliked i think the last jedi so much is that you you, you set up this understanding between ray and and uh, kylo ren is not necessarily being like um, good and bad. Like the, you, you kind of resonate with the feelings that both of them are having. Right. But in the end, you just redraw the lines more strictly around them. It's like here's the good Jedi and here's the bad. Sith. Right. Right. You know that it, it, where everything in that movie looked like there was some kind of reconciliation where they weren't going to fill the roles that were prescribed for them by Luke Skywalker and Snoke. Instead, right. they were going to do their own thing. Yeah. And there was going to be some kind of healing. And, and in some sense, like, there's just, I don't know if, like, movies just can't handle that kind of grayness. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, just it, it moved it back into, like, oh, there's here's the good guys and here's the bad guys. Yeah. For that way. And yeah, so, yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's, I think, a really brilliant point. 
Um, I, I love this um, theme, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this too, about Bianca and kind of talking about, because obviously tomorrow, I mean, Kyle, you're sitting on this panel. We have a talk here. Oh, yeah on masculinity in some sense one of the questions i want to ask i don't know if you've seen those is like there Mm -hmm. seems to be a lot of shame around like vulnerability especially with fighters right um rocky and uh, re-watching rocky 3 right like he gets destroyed by uh clubber lang and he has to go out to um la with with uh with apollo and kind of relearn how to become a fighter again and there's this really great scene with him on the beach with with Adrian where he's admitting Mm -hmm. that he's afraid Mm -hmm. um, and he's having to deal with those emotions. In some sense you get that here too with Bianca. Um, But he never quite gets his, like he gets his emotions out kind of like closer to the end after his mom dies basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he exerts it in the ring. And in some sense, like, you know, what's the messaging do you think from this film around that idea of vulnerability, especially in like a, a very, I mean, a, t- a stereotypical masculine film. It's a it's a boxing. They're fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two strong men fighting each other. But there's a sense in which, in the backdrop, is trauma and unspoken things that one is too afraid to share or yep. too shame ashamed of to share. Like, what what do you do with that message? What is the message? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just a missed opportunity in some ways. But one, you know, and I will get into this at the. Uh, panel tomorrow too but it's really across the board it's more stereotypically masculine and Mm -hmm. easy thing to bring into um, a narrative and but yeah you hope that again it seemed like they they were leaning into it and then backed out of it as a narrative in general of like there is another way and maybe dame and i can like work through this Mm-hmm. Um, or there's some other clever way, you know, like Nick Cage and Pig, right? Um, to just take the beating, um, or whatever, you know, that that looks like in order to to resolve this. Um, and so it ends up, uh, the film ends up, I think, uh, perpetuating the stereotype of you know we're going to fight this out, and only when I beat you, uh, which is what he says, I'm going to have to fight him. Like the only, there's only one way he's going to listen, right? So it actually enables and, and perpetuates the stereotype. Uh, it doesn't challenge it or, mm-hmm. or look for another way, as you were you know, saying in right. terms of uh, Last Jedi and, and all that. Um, <clears throat> and so I think, yeah, that they, they actually failed uh, to do that, um, even though he does have um, a few vulnerable moments, which are great, but then it seemed to, again, I think that's where I'm reading feeling like wow this really felt flat you know you're really taking me somewhere and then and even in the second watch um not giving it to me and i, I felt even more frustrated because i felt more connected to the damien character in the second watch mm. um and wanted something you know more for him right uh, in that and and it wasn't given to me so i don't know if i answered that very no well no you did and yeah. in a certain sense like I, the flatness goes back to and obviously i like i love this I, I'm a sucker for this father-daughter storyline, apparently, yeah. since I've got the... That was one uh, of the better parts of the movie, for sure. Right. But in the sense, when they end with that, yep. right, instead of with him and Damien yeah. finding a way forward, it focuses the full spotlight back on, on Adonis. Like, this is his story. Yeah. Uh, when it really feels, in a lot of ways, like both of their stories. Um, like you no, don't, no doubt. And uh, and you don't really get to... Like, who knows? I mean, what's, what's happening to... Yeah dame now like yeah. where is he gonna go is he still gonna box is yeah, he done what's gonna happen like i mean he's gonna go back to jail now that like it's out about the him fixing the uh the 
the Drago fight, you know, mm. and things like that. Like, I mean, what, like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, and so, which is much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's the thing. Is just like I wish that, like, he, he kind of leaves it with, you know, where to find me. Yeah. And I, was, I know, right? Uh, I just would have <laughs> liked some follow up to that. Yeah. Because again, I think that, like, that traditional forgiveness language. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the railway man with with uh colin firth have you seen that i've not it's a fantastic historical fiction film about a guy who um it's one of my favorite films of all time basically this guy he uh, he was world war ii he's a british soldier he gets captured by the japanese and he puts in a concentration camp where he is forced to build a railway through one of the most difficult terrains in japan mm. um, and he gets tortured mercilessly and he develops like severe ptsd into his adulthood meets his wife and she f only fully comes to realize it through that. Uh, his very close friend comes um, to him and tells him that the that his main torturer has opened up a museum at the site of their concentration mm. camp, and the only way he's going to be free of his PTSD is if he goes kills the mm -hmm. guy. And it's a story of him capturing him, confining him, but really through various like flashbacks and stuff, unable to torture him, mm. unable to kill him. And he goes back to London, tells his wife the whole story, and then he returns to Japan and there's this beautiful scene of forgiveness, mm. which obviously much more between those two than yeah. um, Damon Creed. But one of the most beautiful forgiveness scenes like I've ever seen yeah. depicted in film because they actually like write the letters. And, you know, one of the, the beautiful part of it is there's this moment. It's like where um, he's being written a letter by his former torturer. And he says, you know, like, you know, I, I know nothing I say will make up for it. You know, I'm just trying to tell the truth now, mm -hmm. <laughs> as I know it, about what happened to you. Yeah, sure. And, you know, and I and he apologizes. And, and, and Colin Firth's character comes back and he says, you know, I can't forget the stuff that happened, but I can forgive it. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. And I just, I, I like that language is, is like no you're doubt. yearning for that. You yeah, know? no, like, totally, man. 100. So, like, yeah, you're I don't know what the deal is. So, <clears throat> and I, I think it goes back to the thing I was asking with Bianca is the fact that, like, there's this shame almost in weakness yeah. of asking for forgiveness instead of yeah. punching his lights out. Cause in that moment he just defeated him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's what the whole thing. Yeah. Like why, why press into that and push that, uh, as a narrative point, plot point, uh, concern, yeah. you know, uh, and then really not do anything, not do it justice. And yeah. my question, obviously, uh, things shifted drastically in the black Panther universe. Um, uh, because of what's his name's death. Yeah, Chadwick um, Boseman. Yeah. yeah, Chadwick Boseman. But um, but my my wonder was like, yeah, they you know they could still bring Killmonger back. They could still potentially probably save, resurrect him. They had like fourteen resurrections in the first Black Panther, anyways. Yeah. Uh, happening, and um, and so that, that's my so one of the things is with him ending with his daughter. Obviously, he's training her to be a boxer. That seems like you know we're we're leaving open you know that possibility, um, you know. So just, does Damien have a role in a sequel where there is more like partnership? There is something right. more going on, um, and um, Michael B. Jordan has talked openly about um, creating a Creed series. Uh, Amazon bought um, MGM, and which has you know, always been the producer of Rocky and Creed. Yeah. Um, and he's open to like you know graphic novels and television series and video games and like you know the whole thing. Like he wants to build out the uni whole universe. Uh, sounds like in every way that that he can. Um, 
And so maybe, anyways, maybe it's possible that that Dame, uh, you know, will come back. But I think lost opportunity. Um, and again, something lost and even, you know, even with a trilogy, like you can't, you know, close it out, even knowing, you know, you might introduce, you know, something else um, or create, have, you know, build it out in other ways, like actually have a solid, you know, ending, ending uh, like this was a trilogy uh, kind of frustrating. It's treated more like an episode. Right. Um, rather than a movie is is another struggle of mine for sure. Yeah. And that, I think that's some sense in plaguing a lot of different properties right now, like never allowing a thing to end when it probably should. Yeah. Um, is is really harming it because there's there's fatigue that comes along with that because you're always no having to outdo the last story. Yeah. But then also leave the story open. Like there's no um, there's no resolution. There's no closure. Yeah. You know, in that sense. And um, obviously, like it's it's. I mean, even with, like how they use Drago's character, like they they do that to kind of keep him around in the film. But you know, I mean, he doesn't do it do a ton. You're right. Um, except be a glorified sparring partner. I know. Right. Um, which is interesting, and it it doesn't he doesn't fit the dimensions of Dame anyway, so I don't know why he was chosen as a sparring partner. Right. Like anyway, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> um, it's I mean you don't watch these movies to see good boxing. Is I was I'm I'm right. introducing my wife to these now, and <laughs> she gets so annoyed by the fights because she's like, why don't they just cover their face? Like I don't know. And I'm just like you know Rocky just doesn't do that. You're yeah. right. So anyway, but uh, that that's a really fair point, and I think it's fascinating. Have you seen Wakanda Forever? I've not. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know that they don't bring him back. You know when Shuri goes to see the ancestors, the ancestor she sees is Killmonger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they double down on mm. this is the bad guy. Oh man, which is fascinating. Yeah, to me. no doubt. Because I think that they could have. Like, I think a lot of fans yeah. were wanting them to bring him back as kind of this redemptive moment of he's the one who faces the. Uh, yeah. Um, no doubt. And and they the, he's Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's just, it, you're absolutely right. Like it's you're absolutely right, and yeah. it's that movie has its own kind of like uh, confused narratives about good guy, bad guy, because they do it again with the entire people of the uh, Talokan, which is who they're called with uh, um, the introducing of Namor, who's a very famous like MCU right, character. Right, right. But um, they they do the same thing over again with Killmonger, where they're like, ah, well they're good, but they're bad. You know, they're the bad guys. <laughs> so. Right. It's yeah. Again, it's it's fascinating to see that story be told um, over and over again. And you know, the in some sense, it goes back to your earlier critiques that we've had of like some of the, obviously like things like everything, everywhere, all at once, mm -hmm. um, the Joker, things we've talked about on the show before. Like, what does it look like in a film to instead of inciting um, that kind of move towards yeah. nothingness? healing it what yeah. does it look like to heal it and no so, doubt. in some sense like you know it's, it's cinema can be allergic to that yep um in certain senses and i don't know why mm. that is <laughs> like why does why is forgiveness seen as this loss mm -hmm. in a certain sense i don't know like it's just um yeah it's very interesting yeah it, it's hard to without just you know going into conspiracy mode uh to like figure out what the you know if it's like the conspiracy would be is it just the language too christian you know are we too uncomfortable with that yeah um and <laughs> and what does that mean and and yeah so it's just very interesting yeah and we don't want to sound like that uh that crazy uncle online who says oh movies are anti-christian yeah, yeah, yeah you know i don't i you know maybe it is i don't know like yeah. there's uh, rain wilson had this comment the other day that because he was he was looking at um the last of us the previous episode episode eight are you watching the show 
Uh, I have not. I've played the game, but I've not. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. the the preacher character. Yeah. He said I immediately knew that when he started quoting the Bible that he was a bad character. Mm-hmm. And he says mm-hmm. it shows this kind of weird bias in a lot of cinema today. Yeah, no doubt. Like what it would look like to have like you know like Lady Bird have these characters who are them like Christian, but also like you know not horrible yep. people. Calvary would be another example. I think of that too. But in some sense, like yeah. that's the immediate bias is that right. it, that move is somehow like this. This is not good yeah like, it's uh, very interesting yeah very interesting so did you want to talk about the baptism scene again i know that you mentioned that earlier on or is there something else that you no, no it's just fascinating uh i mean it was part of the, part of the fight and and uh but again it just goes into like something they are obviously suggesting mm-hmm. um with that and uh and potentially pressing into but then um not knowing how to like really facilitate it and so the subtext is there but the text is weird um yeah. and and not uh not really bringing it together yeah in some sense like the the miss on the baptism scene is that baptism as i mentioned earlier is not a forgetting you know what lied behind but like it is the dealing with yeah grief um in a really profound and helpful healing way but in a certain sense like that's the like the what Adonis doesn't do in that kind of baptismal scene is he what he does is he finds the weakness of the enemy exploits it because you know mentioning the you're like the kind of the systematic kind of chess playing that yeah. Dame has they shift entirely back to the like you're you're inside of actually like um a, a pot like Apollo sorry Adonis's mind and right. like they they show at the beginning of the movie he has this very particular strategy himself. right right and they don't play those off of each other which is I thought what was gonna happen no doubt kind of like that, that was gonna be awesome yeah well it's like I mean I don't know if you've ever watched the second <laughs> Sherlock Holmes where Sherlock and um I always forget the name um of his like closest like uh villain sherlock's villain it's yeah the, i've not seen it's it. the robert downey jr uh, yep. version they they're both so brilliant and in their minds they're because that's one of the things that you learn about the sherlock from the Sherlock movies he, he actually plans out his fights before he goes into it mm-hmm. and then he knows where to hit and like what not to do yeah but both of them in their mind are, are doing that to each other mm-hmm. and they're realizing ways in which it's not going to work out mm-hmm. and then finally sherlock finds a way <laughs> like to do it and that's the only fighting that you actually see between sure. the two of them. And so I thought that that was going to happen yeah. uh, in the film, and it did not, um, which is interesting. So anyway, uh, fascinating Yeah, no doubt, film. no doubt. Fascinating film. I'm interested to see if there's going to be a Rocky Four, uh, Rocky Four, sorry, uh, a Creed Four. He seems to be suggesting, Michael B. Jordan is, that there might be. Yeah. Uh, but um, I would like to see more resolution of this story with Dame, if nothing else. So maybe that'll be something we see in the future. Um and maybe some more Ivan Drago as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Any final thoughts as we're kind of wrapping up here? Yeah. Only other thing, uh, and this is from uh, a friend, my friend, uh, I'll call him Bob. Hi, Bob. Um, <laughs> who really took issue with uh, uh, Donnie's wealth in the movie, uh, partly because the Rocky series uh, had such an uncomfortable relationship with wealth right. um, in Rocky, um, in particular, especially um when he loses it and you know the whole his relationship to philadelphia and you know real people and other things uh that the bob goes in into depth on i thought was also really interesting that there's not really um again any challenge there or threat or even discomfort with um which uh, in the first creed you know you do have donnie you know coming out of being being rescued 
uh, but coming out of a very difficult childhood. Right. Uh, but also rejecting his job, right? Re- rejecting his privilege, rejecting um, that in order to go be a fighter and to, to deal with this fire inside of him, you know, and whatever. But, you know, he's actually actively resisting it in some ways. I mean, obviously his mom is still his mom and, and right. they still have money. Right. Um, right. <clears throat> but he needs to reject that in order to get in touch with something deeper in order to become a fighter. Right. Um, which is interesting. And so, you know, kind of fascinating that, um, that that's just kind of, you know, there and mm. again, not, um, uh, not doesn't seem in the way or, you know, uh, too much other than, you know, J- you know, Damien says at one point, like to, to Bianca, how does it feel for somebody else to sing your song? Um, which is his way of saying, how does it feel to, you know, somebody else to wear your gloves? Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and live your life. You know, it's something that, 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 you know, he, he says, right. Um, yeah. pretty directly, but, um, but anyways, yeah, that's kind of an interesting new, you know, um, uh, you don't know, transition, uh, into the Creed characters, whether or not that will be, yeah. you know, a point of conflict at some, at, at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that, um, I was talking to my dad about this and he had actually forgotten about the bad investment between four and five, mm-hmm. uh, that leads to the kind of fall from grace, uh, fall from grace of money, I guess that is, and back into, and something Rocky never recovers from. Yeah. I mean, he, he owns that restaurant, but right. it's not like that pulls in a ton of money for him, right. it doesn't seem. And he's really kind of on the edge. I mean, granted, I, I don't know what kind of money he got paid for the sparring, glorified sparring match that he had in Rocky Balboa, but mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't enough. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or he just invested it, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Um, either way, it's fine. But yeah, no, that's that's actually a fair point. Like, the like where does this go with with because uh, Creed's always I mean Donis has always had wealth in a certain sense um, he didn't when he was a little, like young young right. but when he got rescued from the group home he's always been kind of given a certain priority and privilege in that kind of sense so that's actually a really excellent insight too mm-hmm. yeah and just some weird disc- you know again because even when Rocky does commercials in, in part two or whatever he kind of he fails at it he's not good but with Donnie you know he's like a Ralph Lauren model um, which actually you know, translates to real life, Michael B. Jordan being a Ralph Lauren model. That's right, model. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, so it's just a weird kind of new, you know, angle uh, thing happening with all that. Yeah. And then like, my kids are playing Fortnite, and there's a Creed skin in Fortnite. So there's obviously, you know, a new kind of, again, expansion, mm-hmm. uh, more marvelizing, right. Disney-fying uh, of the series, which I, I think there's room to be, yeah, that, that kind of changes things and it makes does. it takes away from, I think, the, the kind of grittiness that people connected with yeah, yeah. in the first and place. Absolutely, and I think that's, I mean, the you, you want to root for the underdog. Right. At what point does Creed cease yeah, to be yeah, that, yeah. you know? And obviously, like, he's... They kind of outline the images, I mean, the injuries that he has um, that should, I mean, really, I mean, he has the title now, so what, is it, what does he do with that? Is he going to relinquish it? <laughs> right. You know, that kind of thing. And so, I mean, um, in some sense, he should have, one of the things that I think would have been cool enough if he would have fought him, but not for the title, to let Dame kind of move on in a certain sense and maybe even heal himself and approach boxing different. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. But yeah, one of the things I never understood about Rocky is like when he gets to Rocky Five, it's like the only thing he can do is fight to get money. I was like, I feel like you're pretty good at commercials now. If I'm reading the beginning of Rocky Three, right? <laughs> you know, I feel like you can right. still do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like he he was able to in that very beautiful scene when Adrian's kind of teaching him how to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um like i feel like he'd done that really well and i feel like if he's a draw in the ring he's probably a draw for amex right. still so right. might as well do an amex commercial <laughs> um but whatever um right. i did i did enjoy one thing i liked is the kind of the parallel between adonis and apollo being promoters mm-hmm. um i thought that was kind of cool yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah Okay. Well, yeah. uh, I think that about does it for us. Uh, let us know what you think about Creed. Do we miss anything? Creed 3. Uh, what are your hopes for uh, the future of the Creed Rocky universe? Uh, maybe a return of Sly. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but let mm-hmm. us know. We'll, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think or if you have any thoughts on the Oscars or things you'd like to see us cover. We've got some good stuff on the horizon, so right. stay tuned to the Roadshow. We're heading uh, very quickly towards Easter, and so we will see you then and hope that you are doing well so until next time be well stay safe bye all and that's a wrap thank you for joining us on art house road show we'll see you next time